We're still on the sound mind track today. Even though Rob's taking a little bit of a break. And sound mind is so much more than just being chill and level inside. In a lot of places in the Bible, sound-mindedness is self-discipline and self-control. And today, I really want to focus in on this idea of self-control. Mac Duncan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him all the credit. He said, "You're gonna talk about self-control after Christmas." Yeah. So that was Mac. There's your royalties right there. I gave you props in front of the church. So we're all good. I'm going to talk about self-control after Christmas. And, and really, it's got nothing to do with Christmas. It's got nothing to do with food. I want to talk really pointedly about self-control in our ministry with the Lord. And I want to look at a really specific instance in the Bible. It's a case study of sorts. And I want us to dig into all that we can glean from that story. Self-control, it's, it's, it's your whole temperance. It's your ability to hold things back. Hey, I'm sure we've all had situations where we thought, I really shouldn't say this, but I, I just can't hold it back. We've all had those, maybe at Christmas, maybe at family gatherings you've had that. And we all have situations where, where we know we overstepped. And we wish we wouldn't, but self-control is a real thing. It's hard. Self-control is really hard. And specifically, self-control in our ministry, hands-free ministry. Now, this, this sounds a little bit ridiculous. Because so much of what we do with the Lord, we are his hands and feet. And so how do you say hands-free ministry? And the idea is not that God is not using us to minister to others. But we're allowing, um, we're allowing God to use us fully. And we're not trying to interject more than we should. And this is a huge dilemma for us as vessels of God. It's a huge dilemma. Because God has chosen to do ministry this way. He has chosen that his men and women and children who profess that he is God serve the world around them in their own vessels. But that's the dilemma. Is how much of the vessel. Enters into the ministry. And I want to end with this idea that. It's actually the, the, the least amount of flesh. That is going to bring you the greatest amount of joy in serving the Lord. And you're, you're actually going to be able to experience a hands-free ministry. So I, I hope to accomplish that today. Let's get into the, the, the text. We're going to go to Numbers 20. That's going to be our main text. Numbers 20. Verse 1, or verse 10 to 13, I think I am. I should know my verses. So I'm going to read a little bit beforehand. Now... Now there was no water for the congregation. This is a story about the Israelites in the desert. This is after they went to Canaan. And while they're wandering on an 11-day journey, that's taking them 40 years in the desert. And this was, this was a punishment for not believing that God could cast out the giants 
in the promised land. Now there was no water for the congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. That's a serious statement. That's how, that's how serious their thirst was and their need was. I wish God would have cast us down when the others died at, at, at the borders of Canaan. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went to the presence of the assembly, to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and fell on their faces. Yes, this is one of the the best parts about Moses' ministry. People complain, people want his head, he goes and falls at the Lord's feet, asking for help. That was his constant habit in leading. People lash out, I go humbly present myself to the Lord, he fixes my problem. Perfect. Textbook. That is textbook Christianity. Textbook. Now, I wouldn't be using Moses if it stayed textbook, or potentially I would. It wouldn't be as juicy. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the staff. This is, this is the Nile staff. Take this staff. And assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock to them and give drink to the congregation and to their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Take the staff and tell the rock to give out its water. Straightforward. So here we are in verse 10 on the screen here. Then Moses and Aaron gathered together the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Start to listen already and hear where the message got a little telephone. Right? It, it, It got a little skewed from God to Moses. Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not... Bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. This is the second time Moses was told to get water from the rock. The first time he was told to hit the rock with the staff. The second time he was not. The first time was in Exodus 20. Right before Mount Sinai. And he was told to hit the rock. And in this case he was told to speak to the rock. And 
To me, this is an encouragement to say, but in my relationship with the Lord, and, and, and this is really my manifesto. Do you guys know what a manifesto is? Manifesto. This is, this is my purpose and my prayer, and this is the foundation I want to stand on as I stand here before you three days into a new role, a new role as a caregiver of Calvary Church. My manifesto is to not strike the rock of the Lord in my service to you. This is everything to me, but it's everything to all of us. Because we're all called to be ministers of God's living water. But how we do that is extremely important. As you can tell from the end of this passage, God took his instructions extremely seriously. I used to work with somebody who would say, I said, do you want me to do this? Uh, Do you want me to sweep the floor? And they would say, if I wanted you to sweep the floor, I would have told you to do it. Right? Instructions people take very seriously. And when God speaks, ask Saul. When God speaks, he expects his instructions to be taken very seriously. So we need to listen. We need to hear each word. But the manifesto for myself and I pray for us is to serve in a freedom that allows us to not fumble when we're doing the things that God has asked us to do. And I want to look at some of the ways that Moses uh, got this situation wrong. And it's just so relatable for me and it's so relatable for all of us. As we do that. You guys see that okay? Lessons from Moses and the rock. Number one. Verse 8 and verse 11 says, Moses didn't listen to the full commandment of the Lord. Now maybe it confused him. Maybe it confused him that last time he was told to strike the rock. But he didn't listen to the full commandment. He didn't take the message and and obey it word for word. God wants to make sure that we're really listening. That's why God often doesn't shout at us. How many times has God shouted in your ear? It's not very often. God often comes like he did for Elisha in that still, small voice. Because he wants us to listen. He wants us to take what he's saying seriously. But Moses, Moses didn't, he didn't embrace the whole command. And that, that caused him to already be off to a bad start. Number two, Moses allowed anger to cloud his actions. Now maybe, hey, Maybe it was the 40 years of walking around where it could have been a much quicker trip. Maybe Moses was thirsty as well. Maybe Moses hadn't had enough manna to eat that day and he was hangry. It doesn't matter, actually, because Moses allowed his temper to get into the way of his being a vessel. Now, if this one doesn't hit home, you might not hear anything else, right? 
because like this is this is like the most fleshiest thing we we can have when we're serving God's people when we're serving our families or our co-workers we have the mission from God in our hearts but somewhere in there an extra exclamation point or some weird characters with an exclamation point get added to the message And all of a sudden, the shepherd has a little too much hook in their hands. Remember, this is my manifesto, all right? So if you're feeling bad, keep on feeling bad if you, if you want. But I'm speaking first for myself and declaring these things. God wants a pure pure message he wants a pure hand it's impossible it's impossible to serve god like this on our own moses allowed his anger to cloud his purpose he even resorted to name calling and it might have all been true But even you, you can see God's purpose in this because even though Moses reacted poorly, God still, still fed his children. His purpose was not dissuaded. He still wanted to love on his people. Even though the whole thing was really a mismatch right from the beginning. So much grumbling, so much ugliness. And God's purpose of these are my children and I want to do good things for them still shone through in the end. And that's the purpose he wants to say through us. Number three, Moses and Aaron took too much responsibility in doing God's work. You can see, you can see they internalized it right away. When we're serving the Lord and it's not going well, people are often not attacking you. Maybe they just don't want to change. Maybe they're not ready to change. Maybe they, like Moses, didn't have enough manna that day. But they took too much responsibility. Shall we provide water for you? Somehow they, they took that as something they need to, need, need to accomplish. You can see that with the striking of the rock too. They didn't fully believe that God could provide. And God called him on it. Called him on it. Number five. Moses overshadowed God's miracle in his actions. Thus potentially diminishing them in Israel's eyes. This is heavy stuff. This is heavy stuff. Because Moses' actions in doing the will of God. How he spoke to them. How he acted to them. It, it created this opportunity for people to say. That wasn't God's full miracle. Because Moses and Aaron, they took too much of the responsibility on it. 
It's what James 3 says. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So these five reasons that we all fall under were important enough to the Lord that Moses, his most trusted servant and one of the top five, probably doesn't please the Lord to make a list, like a huge giant of the faith, had to see the promised land from outside. Now, this is not a threat. I'm not threatening that God is going to smite you when too much flesh comes out of your ministry. Simply that God takes his work through his people really, really serious. And you can see that by the punishment. Moses was as close to God as any human in the Bible has been. And didn't get to go in. And God tells him why. You, in, in this miracle where I wanted to encounter the people, you didn't believe that I could fully do it. And what we believe affects what we do. What we believe affects what we do. That's just reality. So if we believe, and it's, it's, it's the inner wiring on things, if we believe God's arm is not long enough, not strong enough, not interested enough, that's going to affect how we serve. That's, that's just the reality. Try Try and act against your beliefs. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And, and Moses showed that. I don't know if this has like been super fun for you guys yet, but <laughs> And yet, for freedom's sake, Christ has set us. Galatians 5. Freedom's sake, Christ has set us free. Now, maybe this is just me, but I have lived a life of striving, of pressing, of achieving, of trying to interject as much energy into what I am doing as humanly possible. Chose my words carefully there. How about you? God is not looking for our sweat. He's looking for our weakness and our willingness. Freedom's sake, Christ has set us free. This is what John fourteen twelve says. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. This is Jesus talking. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. That's a huge statement. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That's a huge statement. That my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that's not a voucher to just hand in whenever you're ready. 
Let me, let me explain a little bit about that passage. If you ask anything in my name, that is what I'll do. So Jesus is saying that. This is not a voucher to simply slide it on the table when things get awkward. This is, this, this is a life commitment to, to fall under that arrangement. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you abandon your purpose, your wants, your desires, if you fully surrender to my call, if you walk intimate with me in daily life and surrender your day, your week, your month to my final authority, being willing to move at a moment's notice, if you surrender yourself in prayer, in fasting and in worship, in reading the word so that your heart physically changes to become in likeness of my instructions, you will become somebody who asks my very will and you're going to see things change. But he's not saying, I'm going to hook you up as long as you add my name to what you're doing. It's a whole commitment of life. You're, you're, you're saying, Jesus, I want you to take a corkscrew to the whole bit of my being and hollow me out so that there is absolutely no crevice inside of myself that you don't occupy. But then you don't even care if you get your way. Because you're looking and thinking and feeling in line With Jesus' good purpose. Then the conversation's totally different. So there's a bit of a catch to that passage. But this is how we serve in the Lord. And to me, that sounds very freeing. That sounds extremely freeing. Maybe it doesn't if we want to hold on to some things. For God to work in my life, it needs to look like this. Or like this. Or I have this burden on my heart. If I vote for you, God, I want to see this bill passed, and that bill passed, and that bill passed. Yeah, maybe, right? Maybe, maybe that's happened once or twice. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Thus, the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's a submission to his kingdom and his will. That's one of the first things he teaches his disciples to pray. Your will be done, your kingdom come. Surrender your own purposes at the expense of mine. And we'll, we'll see this happen together. This is really good news. This is what we want to do. We, this transformational process in the Lord. This, this operating in his name. We want to start giving out roses that have no thorns. It's a beauty that's not going to bite when you hand it off. How many times does that happen? How many times have you pricked yourself... Or somebody you've loved with the rose that you've given that wasn't thornless. 
And those thorns are sharp. Like, let me tell you. This is, this is what I'm pressing on today. Thornless blessing to the people around us. For our fingers and for theirs. All right. Paul was amazing at this. Amazing. So he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul's amazing. And, and here what he's saying is, I intentionally conducted my ministry in such a way that it was a bit of a letdown because I tried at any risk to pull myself out of it in every equation. As long as I don't point to myself in any way, even at the expense of being boring or unimpressive, then, then I'm, I'm glad. Because the only thing I want to shine through in my ministry is, is Jesus. That's the only thing I want people to see. At the expense of my own ministry. And you saw it often in his writings. He just, he couldn't stack up to those uh, really sensational speakers. That came with power and authority and strong words and big operations and a huge... Uh, staff and all these things he couldn't stack up to that and he didn't want to stack up to that he wanted simply to be somebody that brought the lord into the situations that's a big deal that's a huge undertaking to constantly be willing to do that it's a big deal so a few things that we can do to intentionally try to be like Paul and, and keep ourselves low and the, and the Lord high. We need to lean on Christ's power and not on our own. Okay? Sounds pretty fair. Sounds pretty easy. Sounds pretty church. Lean on God's power. This is not how we live. It's It's not. We love living on our own power. We love it. We love it. It's the best. It's comfortable. We get to be in charge. There is something deep in your soul that tells you you are safe when you are in charge. Welcome to fighting the flesh. Right? But, but that is your plight that you will always have to fight. Always. And so this idea of, you, okay, you have to intentionally lower your own control so that God can have more. Simple. But it's, this is something that takes concentrated work. This is the slaying of the flesh on a daily basis. This is surrendering your life and picking up the cross on a daily basis. This little change, I'm going to operate by God's power and not my own. 
This, this looks like prayer support before, during, and after any sort of ministry that you do. Any sort of hard meeting. Anything with family. Because it's not our own contributions that make change. I feel like I'm saying this more and more to people. How do I change that person's heart? How do I change their mind? How do I change their behavior? Well, you don't. You, you just don't. Just don't. That is risking all sorts of pain and traumatic experiences for you. Because you can't change somebody else's heart. You just can't do it. And I feel like it's often advice that's not super appreciated. Okay, so how do I get this person to take me back? Or how do I get this person to uh, leave their addictions? Well, well, you have to pray for them. But that's, okay, that's not sensational, right? But this is the reality. Only God, only God can make those changes in somebody else. It was true for you. It's not our contribution. It's the Spirit of God that changes people. And He can work really fast. Work really fast. Don't let weakness in your, in your flesh dampen your faith. Welcome situations where the power of God must come through for something to change. I, when I wrote this, I was thinking about uh, those missions trips. And they, and they say to all the kids, okay... Um, you have $5 for lunch, and you, some of them are going to tithe that. So people would tithe the $5, and now they have no food for the day. Like the, This is a small thing. Like If you don't eat for the rest of the day because your, your money for food went into the tithe bin, like you're going to be okay. But you hear all the stories of people who, who ate anyway. And, and these situations happen. Now, this is a small thing. But how would this change our life if we daily thought, okay, I'm going to stretch my need on a daily basis. I'm going to let myself in situations where God just, he better show up. It's kind of like basic training for the war. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's Proverbs for three. Invite oversight in your life to ruthlessly weed out offense, disappointment, secret sins, um, those type of things. Like, like, we don't always know our own heart. And Moses showed that he had some things going on inside of him that, that came out with the water. And it sullied it. And that easily happens to us. So we need to weed out this bitterness and strongholds, sins in our heart. And the Lord does that and people around you that love Jesus can do that for you too. Number two, get into your Bible in 2024. So if we want the power of God to wash over our lives, to cleanse our intentions... To make us peaceful and and gentle with people, then we, we got to be under the we got to be under the word. This is one of the quickest 
ways to have God change you from the inside out. And the corkscrew is not that painful when you're just turning pages. Maybe in like some of the Old Testament stuff, it's a bit painful. But like, this is, it's, it's almost passive hollowing out when we read the word of God. Because God takes his word seriously. And he takes the washing of his people seriously. And he works when we read. And so our job is to read. That is your job in 2023 to be faithful stewards of what God has put inside of you for the people around you. And to do it in such a way that there's very little flavor that you add to it. The easiest thing to do and the most effective thing to do is to read copious amounts of the Bible. And in faith, in faith, expect Jesus to do the hard work. It's that straightforward. It's that straightforward. I believe that faithfully getting into the word will change you in such a way that from year to year, you will cease to recognize your own behavior. And that is all the faith you need to get into this and have Jesus make you new and new and new. And it's that newness that works on your behalf when you're not thinking about your behaviors, your actions, or the things that are important to you. When you are simply operating as God has made you, he is cleansing the vessel as you spend time in his word. He doesn't want a cast iron pan that tastes a little bit like everything you cooked before it. He's not looking for that. He wants, he wants his flavor and he wants his voice to shine through. Lastly, get obsessed with the glory of God in your life. Get obsessed with the glory of God in your life. This is, this is a huge safeguard. And, and maybe you feel like, I, I think I got the serving uh, down pretty good. And when I serve, it's mostly God and not very much me. And the little bits of me are kind of a nice lemon in the water. And that's fine, right? But this is one of the greatest safeguards. Understanding that God's glory is the absolute thing that's at stake. That is one of the major reasons that, that God was so upset with some of his most faithful servants. Was that they got in the way. It got, God gets really upset when his glory's on the table. He will not stand for it. For somebody trying to get a little peace. He, he won't stand for it. And again... This isn't just a warning. It, it's this idea that we can safeguard ourselves and, and understanding that the things that we do, the first purpose of our salvation, and then every day after that is for the glory of God. That's why God saves people that are just hot messes. People like me. Because then people can look at, at something down the road and they can realize 
that, that was a big change. And people could not recognize the thing that is before them because that was a big change. God is wanting the final thanks and the final, the, the final uh, opportunity to receive every bit of glory for the things that he does. Including everything you do in your life. And here's the twist that is the greatest joy is surrendering your life so that God's glory is number one in everything you do. Every way he uses you reinforces your greatest joy. That's a good deal. Right? So if if your purpose is getting God the most glory in how you parent, how you work, how you do your hobbies... Then every bit that he pours out of you is going to reinforce in you your greatest joy and mission accomplished. But it acts as a purifier for everything we do. Because then we have to decide, is this for God's glory? Is this for my glory? This is a big deal. This is a big deal, this glory piece. Because even as we serve, there is a part of us... That's pretty happy to know that God is doing something good in us. We, we like that. And God is after even that. We got a covenant with Jesus to just straight up with our lives get out of the way. Ahead of time. You win, you win the battles ahead of time. So as the band wants to come up, I want to pray for us. And as you're willing, I want us to just covenant with the Lord again. That our yes and amen would already be given to him. So if you're willing to stand... Before we worship, if this is something you want to speak to somebody about after the service, there's going to be people praying here, and we're going to be remembering and pray for Essa. He's going to come back as well. But why don't we stand together, and if, if, if this is you, if you want to, even just again for 2024, say, God, I want you to get the very most mileage out of my tires. With the very least amount of burn and smell. That I would invite you just to to have your arms raised in a way in a posturing way of receiving from him. I want us to pray together. Heavenly Father, we seek to do good by you. And we seek to do good for you. And we know, we just know this for ourselves. It's not that straightforward, and it's not that easy. There are parts of ourselves that are held back, and there are parts of ourselves that, that really like being your spokesperson or your, or your people group. We like that. We like being seen as maybe somebody that prays for people. There are parts of ourselves that are still, we, we want to get, we're people that just love getting some of the credit. And interjecting ourselves into your situations. Lord, for 2024. And for our lives. In our family. 
with our friend groups, with our hobbies, with our work, and definitely with our ministry, Lord. Would we be a people that seeks to hold nothing of ourselves into the situation and bring a fresh, life-giving dose of you in everything we do, how we speak. Would you wash over our, our words, Lord, our thoughts, our heart, and our very soul, that we would be a people that, that love to just deliver the message. That's what we're made for. We're meant to bring a message, not of ourselves. And would you show us how to do that in a greater measure this year? We give ourselves to you afresh. In Jesus' name, amen.